Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Hello, everyone. Welcome those in the room and welcome those online. Thanks for joining us today. Great to have you uh, with us. Uh, if, if I haven't met you, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at LifeGate Church, and uh, it, it's great to have you joining us. Really excited for uh, what, what I believe God wants to do in our lives today, so I hope you're excited too. Uh, I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to dive into it. So, Father, we thank you that um, you are always wanting to move and do things in our lives. And so we pray that as we unpack the Bible today, as we learn uh, from what you've done in the past, uh, that it would give us a vision for what you can continue to do in our lives into the future as well. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. Well, uh, I, I want to start off with a, uh, with, with a confession. And this, this may be something you're not expecting a pastor to say, ready? Sometimes in my life, I feel really hopeless. Now, maybe that's not something you've heard a pastor say before, but it's true. There are times in my life where I feel absolutely hopeless. There's a few stories as an example. Um, The first story is when I was in year 12, going through my HSE exams, I had something called chronic fatigue that made me really unwell, really sick. I was in bed a lot. I was sleeping 18 hours a day. I was isolated from my friends. My uh, results kept slipping more and more. And uh, in that time, I found myself on my own, or I felt on my own, and I felt absolutely hopeless. Now, anyone knows that's been involved with school kids at all, that there's a lot of pressure on HSE exams, sometimes from teachers, uh, your peers, your parents, whatever it is, right? And so in my head at this time, I went, because my results will be bad, therefore, I'm not going to get into uni, therefore, I'm not going to get a good job, therefore, my life is going to go downhill very quick, And uh, I I don't know if you sometimes find yourself in this way of thinking, but I snowball very easily. And uh, one of the brilliant ways that God's made my brain is I can see when something that's a small problem is going to eventually turn into a big problem. The downside of that is everything has the potential to turn into a really big problem. And sometimes I jump the gun before the problem's even arisen. Um, also, uh, when th- thankfully God worked in my life and he brought healing and he helped me find direction for what's next. Um, but then I found myself in the awkward transition into adulthood and it seemed like everyone in my life that I'd gone to school with knew what they were going to do except for me. Right? It seemed like I was the only one that went to my high school that didn't have any plan, any direction on what I wanted to do. Everyone else was like, yep, I'm going to do a double, double degree in psychology and law and I'm going to go here and then I'm going to do my master's here and then I'm going to get a summer internship at this big four firm. And you know, Everyone had their life mapped out and I'm going, I have no idea what I'm meant to do. 
And once again, I felt hopeless. Um, also, my parents, um, I, I didn't grow up in a, in a church-going house. I came to Jesus uh, actually through a local youth group um, and, and through some relationships that I had there. Um, but my parents don't believe in Jesus. And even though I pray for them every day and I, I try to look for opportunities where I can share my faith with them or to invite them to church or something like that, I'll be honest, there's sometimes where I feel hopeless and I wonder whether they're ever going to accept Jesus. And uh, also, sometimes I, I look at the state of the world and where we're at right now and I'll, I'll be honest, probably at least once a day, I have the thought process, has everyone lost their minds? I don't know if you feel that way sometimes, but I look at the state of the world and it seems hopeless at times. It seems like humanity is getting worse and worse, situations are getting worse and worse, and it feels hopeless. You see, we all have situations in our life where we, where we face problems that just don't seem to go away. Maybe it's problems in our relationships. Maybe it's marriage breakdowns. Maybe it's fighting. Uh, maybe it's friendships that just seem to go in circles. Maybe it's job problems. Maybe you have a horrible boss. And uh, who here hasn't had a horrible boss, right? Maybe it's missing out on that promotion that you've been working really hard for, but things just never quite seem to go your way. Maybe it's financial problems. Maybe you just can't seem to get out of debt or you're living paycheck to paycheck. Or maybe it's your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you can't see him or feel him working in your life. And because of that, you feel hopeless. You see, these moments in our lives that we seem to find ourselves stuck in, where the circle just keeps looping, I wonder if you've experienced that before, or maybe you're feeling the pain or the hopelessness of one of those situations right now. And so I wonder how we can respond differently to this, right? Is there a solution to the hopelessness loop, or are we stuck running on that circle like a hamster on a wheel? Well, if you're feeling this way today, the message that I'm going to share today may help. And so here's the idea that we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the fact that in every situation we can respond with either A, hopelessness, which the, the dictionary defines hopelessness as but basically you're not expecting a successful outcome. Or... B, expecting that God is going to come through. And we're going to take a look at the Bible and see what it has to say about that. And so I want to set the stage for the story we're going to look at today. So we're going to look at Exodus. And the book of Exodus tells the story of Moses uh, and the Hebrew people who were living in slavery in Egypt at the time. The book talks about uh, rescuing uh, the Hebrew people from slavery and their exodus or their departure from Egypt. In this book, we see God fulfilling his promises to the descendants of these people and delivering them to freedom. And the overall theme of this book of Exodus is redemption. And so 
The main character is a guy called Moses, who uh, is the, the, the son of one of the Hebrew people living in Egypt at the time. And uh, the leader of Egypt, the Pharaoh, has basically said that all firstborn sons of these people are going to be killed. Um, and so his mother takes Moses, hides him in a basket, puts him down the river. Now, she must feel pretty hopeless herself, right? To, uh, to leave her kid in a basket in a river. Um, but then Moses gets rescued uh, by the Pharaoh's daughter and is raised in the household. And uh, he goes on to then rebel and he runs away and then God meets him and he rescues the people of Israel. That's what we're going to look at. And so in the parts I want to read today, Moses has gone to the Pharaoh of Egypt and he's demanded him to set the people free. The Pharaoh refuses a number of times and God brings challenges and plagues to the city of Egypt. And eventually the Pharaoh agrees to let them go and Moses collects the people. They escape only for the Pharaoh to change his mind and chase them. So that's kind of the story, setting the stage of what we're going to look at. And so this is the first part I want to look at. The first response we can have in a situation is hopelessness. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 14. It says this, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Haharoth opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching for them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. Now, there's a few things that we can uh, see in this story. Firstly, we can see that some of the Israelites are afraid. Now, We see the way that they think, that snowball thinking I was talking about. You definitely see that here, just in the previous verse. They say, was it because there's no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die, right? They're they're going from the extreme. They're like, the people are after us, and then this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. Why are we here? This is hopeless. If I wanted to die, I should have stayed here. Now, does that thinking help their situation? Does it help them get out of trouble? Does it help the fact that the Egyptian army is after them and is pursuing them? Not really. 
If anything, it makes the situation worse, right? Those circumstances are happening, but rather than trying to work on a solution or, or you know, expecting something to happen, their hopelessness and their thinking makes them more scared, more afraid. And so I wonder for you, when scary, challenging or painful situations come, what's your first response? Is it fear? Is it hopelessness? Or is it expecting that God will come through? You see, this wasn't how the plan was supposed to go, right? If, if they had a plan in their mind of what God was going to do, this wasn't how it was supposed to go, being pursued by the Egyptian army with no uh, escape in sight. But Moses, we see here, he expects God to get them out of it. And Moses is hopeful and trusting God is going to come through in the situation. And you know what happens? God comes through. This is what happens is God parts the Red Sea and the Israelites get through safely and the Egyptians get swept out to sea. And so that, that's what happens, right? Now, imagine the two ways that situation could have gone. Either they, they get scared and afraid and they go, oh, I'd rather die in Egypt. At least the, you know we wouldn't have to walk so far to die. Or expecting God to come through and then seeing him come through, right? Those were the two choices they could have made. And that's the choice that Moses makes. And so that's the first choice is hopelessness. The second choice or the second response is expectation. Now here's where things get interesting. Just over the next chapter in Exodus 15, this is what it says in verse 19 to 21. It says, Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, and he has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. Now, let's stop and unpack this for a second. So God's people had been slaves in Egypt, and when they were set free, they only had a short amount of time to grab what they needed before they left. So I want you to imagine for a moment, right? If your house was on fire, what three items would you grab? And this isn't a rhetorical question. What three items? Those online, let us know what items you would grab. What, what three items would you grab? If, if your documents, yeah, like your passports, birth certificates, stuff like that, yeah? Your kids, yeah, that's a good one. Kids? Would anyone grab photo albums? No? They're all, the computer drive, yeah? Awesome. Your you what? Your visa card, yeah? Fair enough. Those are a pain to replace. Your dogs, yeah? So it's the things that matter to us, right? The things that we value, the things that are, are precious to us. Now, do you know what many of the women grabbed when they were fleeing for their lives? They grabbed tambourines. Now, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, a tambourine, not even in my top 50. In fact, I don't even think I have a tambourine in my house. 
And uh, seriously though, on the list of things to pack, a tambourine is not one of them, right? In the list of the most annoying instruments, it, it probably goes recorder, bagpipes, tambourine, right? And if, and if you're a parent of young kids, you are definitely not packing a tambourine on a long journey, right? And so why, why did they pack tambourines? Well, they grabbed tambourines so they could sing and dance in celebration of what God was about to do for them. So in the middle of an evacuation, fleeing for their lives, they grabbed musical instruments so they could worship God for what he was going to do. Now, why would they plan this celebration before they had even left? That's like celebrating a promotion you didn't even know you were getting. I mean, when I'm heading into a tough situation, I'll be honest, I'm not usually planning a celebration. I'm usually too focused on the problem that's in front of me. And so, right from the start, these women expected God to come through. And here's a few things to note about this situation. They're out of Egypt, right? At this point, they're out of Egypt when they're celebrating, but they're not out of the woods yet. They're still challenges. They're not in the land that God has promised them. They're in the middle of the desert. They're still challenges. Another thing to note is that the Hebrew word we translate as expectation in the Bible is this, tokoleth. Now, it's not chocolate, it's tokoleth. And it means expectation, or it means to hope, to expect. You see, these women expected, hoped, and believed God would be victorious. And so they planned in advance to celebrate Him. Now, the, the, the lady that leads this celebration is called Miriam which uh, Miriam's name in Hebrew comes from two words. The first word is ma, meaning bitter. And the second word is merry, meaning rebellion. And so Miriam's name literally means bitter rebellion. And what that signifies is it signifies the bitter slavery in Egypt, right? That's a tough pill to swallow. Slaves in Egypt... But their choice to rebel. And so their hope, their expectation is an act of bitter rebellion. Of going, you know what? The circumstances, the situations we find ourselves in are bitter. But as an act of rebellion to our circumstances, we're going to choose to be hopeful and we're going to choose to expect that God's going to be victorious in our lives. And so these are the two choices we've looked at today. That in every situation we can respond with either A, hopelessness, or B, expecting God to come through. And I wonder for you, do you get out of bed each day ready to celebrate the victory that God is going to bring you that day? Is that how you wake up in the morning? Right? When we talk about we, we got out of the wrong side of the bed or the right side of the bed? Do you expect when you get out of bed in the morning, do you wake up and go, 
Ah, oh, God, you're going to bring me some victory today. Friends, imagine what your life would be like if you expected God to do something miraculous each day. Imagine if as an act of bitter rebellion to our situation, to our challenges, we chose to expect God to come through and to celebrate that victory in advance. Now, we we talked about the situation of the Israelites, right? Now, expecting, being hopeful, celebrating in advance doesn't change the situations, but it does change our internal circumstances. Because I tell you what, if God moving in my life was up to the level of hope I had, I would be stuffed. If God moving in LifeGate Church was up to the hope that I had, sorry to tell you guys, it wouldn't be good, all right? Thankfully, God is not a God who waits for us to have a certain level of hope before he acts, but he acts in our life even when we're struggling to find hope, even when we're struggling to expect him to come through. He still moves. And so this situation is more about us in terms of are we expecting God to move in our lives or not? And does it change the way that we go through our day? Does it change the way that we live our lives? Now, friends, I want to live every day with that sort of expectation, don't you? If it's a choice of going into tomorrow and going, you know what, today is going to be pretty hopeless. Or, thank you, God, in advance for the victory that you're going to bring me today. Which of those choices do you want to make? And so the first step of expecting God to come through in our life is choosing to follow Jesus. And maybe you've never chosen to follow Jesus before, but I want to give you that opportunity right now. And so I invite you to pray this prayer with me, and we're going to pray it together. It goes like this, Father in heaven... Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for choosing to live my own way. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Amen. So now, as as we get towards the end of our service, I want us to take 30 seconds to consider this. Where do you want to choose to expect God to come through in your life? And what I want you to do is I want you to take some time to pray over that area, to pray over that situation. And I want you to pray by celebrating the victory that God is going to bring in advance. So as you pray, as you sit with that situation with Jesus, I want you to pray and I want you to celebrate that victory in advance. Those online, take 30 seconds. Those in the room, take 30 seconds to do that right now. Well, friends, as we come towards the end of our service, I want you to imagine how much better our lives would be if we walked every day, every situation, every circumstance, expecting God to bring victory. 
expecting that there is hope even when we feel hopeless. Imagine how that would transform our thinking, how it would transform our relationships, our circumstances, but also our joy and our peace as we go through life as well. And imagine the impact that it could have not only on LifeGate Church, but also the relationships that we have here. And so what I want to do as we wrap up, I'm, I'm going to say goodbye to those online. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like prayer, you can click the prayer button and uh, we're going to say bye to you now and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.